0: So 67 of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, what up? We'll, we'll start there.
1: How's it going, man? Uh, all is well. Everything on your end going good? Can't complain, can't complain. I uh, got some free time this weekend since I didn't bother to watch the All-Star Game, uh, even though we are on a hockey podcast, but I don't think pretty much anybody cares over the age of, like, 16, so...
0: Yeah, I, I did watch the skills competition, not the All-Star Game. Uh... Speaking of the All-Star Game, we will have to touch on what had happened the day after in a tragic accident, the death of Kobe Bryant, daughter, and people that were also on the plane, thoughts and prayers, a, a crazy sequence. Um I know Kobe was very fond of his helicopter. He, well, while he was a Laker, that was kind of his mode of transportation from the house to the practice facility, to the Staples center, did not want to sit in the LA traffic. And then ironically enough, that's actually the way he goes down. Um, I have a couple of stories about him. I don't know if you listen to the Lewis Howes podcast, the, the school of greatness, but one thing that, uh, Kobe said he, he was funny. Uh they said sometimes guys they'd be at the end of two and twos and they'd play the first game, they'd fly into, you know, Miami or Chicago or something, and guys like, Oh, we gotta go out tonight, we gotta go out tonight. And Kobe was like, No, I don't think we should. And they're like, No, 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 come on, come on, we gotta go out. So Kobe say, All right, well, I'll go with you. He said the next morning, five AM, knocking on the door. Hey, I went out with you last night, I kicked it with you last night, let's go, it's time to go to work. He said he'd have guys in the weight room at 5 a.m. at the court shooting balls, like just beating guys up, just, you know, guys are drained. And that was basically his way of like, hey, you know, you want to make this a living. Just remember I'm here. And then (laughs) one other awesome story I heard about him was, so the year that they lost to the Celtics, they ended up going to the Olympics that summer. So they end up winning a gold medal there against uh spain and paul gasol who was his teammate so what he did was the first day of training camp he hung his gold medal in pow's locker (laughs) and so he said paul gasol walks in he got like that look on his face and kobe's like hey you lost in the championship you lost in the olympics he goes listen we're not making it three in a row and he said sure as shit that year they go out they win the championship and Pau brought it to a whole nother level and that Mamba mindset, that Mamba mentality, that was Kobe. Uh, I I read uh, quite frequently, you know, when the kids are sleeping, I get a chance to. Uh, Tim Grover, he is the guy who was in charge of Relentless. That's the name of his book. He goes through professional athletes, a lot of basketball players, one of them being Kobe Bryant. And the stories that he had, I had shared it on my own personal Facebook uh, account. I will share it on the two five and ten one, just what a cleaner kobe was and how he was just so focused on the end goal in the sense of championships and everything else where they've been at three in the morning together they've been at four in the morning together they've been at five in the morning they've drank they've talked shit to each other they've went shut like just anything and everything just because that end goal was something that kobe was so focused on and Yeah, a very unfortunate situation. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and just a very tragic accident.
1: Yeah, uh, celebrity deaths don't usually get to me much at all. Uh, I know when Anthony Bourdain died, that one really uh, impacted the first lady. This one was the first one, I think, in a long, long time uh, that got to me. Uh, Kobe, since his rookie year, sophomore year in the NBA, He was the reason why I actually started giving a crap about basketball. Um, Just followed him his whole career. I was a Lakers fan in New York growing up, which was not a fun thing to do. Uh, Just 18-time All-Star, NBA champ, five-time NBA champ, three-peat with Shaq, 12-time All-Defensive player, four-time All-Star game MVP, uh, 2007 League MVP, two-time scoring champ, 15-time All-NBA rookie all rookie team, two-time Finals MVP, just one of the best to ever. Do it, and I know this is a hockey podcast, but like we said on our Facebook page, some guys just kind of transcend the boundaries of their own sport, and Kobe was one of those. Um, but yeah, when the news broke, I you can ask the first lady. I took a good like thirty-six to forty-eight hours to kind of just get over—not get over, but move a little bit past that a little bit that one this one hurt
0: i mean not the news anyone was expecting especially sunday i i take a nap and i wake up to the news it was like what like what just happened uh one thing going forward with all this is i i read one other thing someone had posted as to you know kobe went down with his arms around his daughter and something that as a parent you always strive to do is protect your child and you know you were there and she was in your arms when she first came out and then at the passing point she was in your arms again which is absolutely horrifying to think of in here as a parent and then oh uh, yeah yep
1: <laughs> yeah r- rough, rough all around um yeah it's just Pretty devastating for LA, uh, obviously the Lakers organization. I feel terrible for his wife Vanessa um, and their three remaining daughters. I know uh, Gigi was supposed to be like Minnie Kobe, and you see some of the clips on Twitter of how she basically emulated all of his mannerisms on a court and everything, which um, just a lot of potential kind of taken out right there. But I know we're going to transition to the hockey talk here. Just uh, rest in peace to Kobe, his daughter, and the other seven that were on board. I know one of the guys on board was a big-time uh, West Coast baseball coach, um, his wife and daughter on board as well. So I just thought some prayers to everybody that was directly impacted by it. And, yeah.
0: One thing I never want to see ever happen is – continue the tradition because i know i still do it every time you're shooting something at that empty kobe. bucket
1: kobe kobe they had a bucket set up outside of the staples center today with a sign that said you know what to do
0: oh dude i thought that was awesome i saw all the little kids running around they're all screaming kobe that
1: was actually a yeah a,
0: a great send-off in a way so that was awesome
1: um but yeah uh there's never a good tra- transition from a topic like that but you should kind of get the hockey talk started a little bit. Um, Like I mentioned, the all-star game was just this past weekend. So uh, last night on Tuesday on Monday, I'm sorry, uh, kicked off this quote unquote second half of the NHL season. We kind of wanted to highlight our thoughts on some of the storylines that we're going to keep our eye on as we uh, head into the playoff push around the league. Uh, Either individual or team, team wise, and kind of just give our thoughts on those. And I don't know if uh, I, you wanted to kick it off, you wanted me to just go and uh, take it away from there, or how do you wanted to do it.
0: Floor is all yours, big boy. You, you lead, I'll follow. We're just dancing right now.
1: <laughs> all right. Um, I mean, uh, the obvious one for me is the trade deadline that's coming up. I uh, just over a month, just less than a month. Not exactly sure what day of the week this is. I'm in a fog. Um, But the trade deadline, it's probably, to be honest, it's going to be one of the least impactful in terms of names that are moved. I don't think outside of Terrell Hall being moved, and that hasn't worked out too well for Arizona so far as a team, you're going to see a lot of impact guys on a move. Um, Chris Kreider kind of headlines that if the Rangers make him available. But outside of that's a lot of decent secondary pieces that can help the Holster teams. Guys like Sammy Votnin, uh Pajot in Ottawa, uh, maybe even a Wayne Simmons from New Jersey on a move uh, for a playoff team. But for me, the thing that I'm going to keep my eye on is Billy Guerin in Minnesota and what he's going to do. Um, he's already made it clear he needs to clear a, a top-six spot uh, for their Russian superstar prospect, and everybody's talking about Jason Zucker make, might be on a move. I... I think this is going to be the first action that Garen's going to start making a mark on a while in his own image in terms of rebuilding this team. And I know they have a lot of high salaries and long-term contracts on there, but if there's a will, there's a way. Um, and I think very quietly so far, Garen's probably laying that groundwork behind the scenes to making some big-time moves that people aren't expecting, whether that's Zucker or Matt Dunba or even a Devin, uh, Devin Dubinik on, on a move uh, for a team like Calgary needs, who needs goaltending. Um, I think Minnesota is going to be the most active one, but the big name out there is Chris Kreider. Um, the other two things that kind of lump this together is the divisional logjam. I know the Pacific Division is getting a, a lot of attention uh, for that with all these teams bunched together. Vancouver's in the first with 60 points, but you have – Um, five teams in division within three points of each other Uh, from Vancouver can win a division or they with a couple game losing sheet, they can drop all the way down to fifth. Um, So that log jam there and who's a contender, who's a pretender. We'll kind of go over that in a little bit as well in terms of our thoughts on the playoff race. Um, So my eyes on a Pacific division, because that's going to drastically impact the wild card spots in the Western conference this year as well. Uh, along the same vein, the Metro Division, we know Washington is going to win a division unless something drastic happens, but what's going to happen with the Islanders, the Jackets, the Hurricanes, the Flyers, who's in, who's out, can Columbus sustain this without you know, elite goal scoring, just kind of where everybody's going to fall uh, in positioning as we get closer to the end of the year and the playoffs begin. Um, And the last thing I know, this is something we talked about before we went on, the Nashville Predators. They fired Peter Laviolette. They brought in John Hines, who I thought that was a terrible move if you're going to let go of a guy like Laviolette. But they haven't turned it around. They lost last night. They're in the basement now in the Central Division out in the Western Conference. They've lost six of their last ten. I know they have a few games in hand. They're seven points out of the last wildcard spot. They need to win all of those games in hand. They have three games in hand on the Jets. They need to win all three to have, give themselves any chance uh, to make the playoffs here. But I just don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to turn it around or even make it close because, like I said, they lose last night. John Hines is new here, and they, he's giving Phil Forsberg and Matthew Shane 15 minutes of ice time each that's not going to get it done. And these are guys that are signed long term. So I don't know what he's trying to prove here for guys that are going to be on a roster next year. And you need to have these guys in your corner and performing well. Um, strength of schedule. Um, I kind of did the math and all this. I thought this would just be an interesting quick exercise. The Bruins have the second easiest schedule the remainder of the season. I know they've been scuffling along, but the schedule should help them. Um, What's interesting to me is seven of the eight teams with the easiest schedule are all playoff teams. The Avalanche, the Bruins, the Caps, the Lightning, the Flames, the Blues, and the Panthers all have the seven easiest uh, schedules remaining based on their opponent's point percentage. Then you go to the opposite end of it. Carolina has the second hardest. Nashville has the third hardest. Winnipeg has the fifth hardest. So you're really starting to see, as we enter the second half of the year, who's overperforming and who might come back down to earth based on our remaining schedule, and who's been playing well that's going to have it easy to wrest it away and might have a cakewalk into the playoffs here. And I'll post this on our Facebook page as well so people can kind of dive into the stats there.
0: I don't know how you want me to follow that up. That was that was good. Um, <laughs> just from what I've seen in the first half of the year, going into the second part of it, I just feel that no coach is safe currently at the NHL. I think we are definitely going to have another firing as to where it is or from. I'm not too sure. John it, Hines. <laughs> it, it just feels like one of those things like, almost like a New Jersey where they fired Julian, even though they were number one in the Eastern Conference that year. Like, it just feels like someone big is going to go again. And I could be completely wrong, but I just don't think anyone is safe currently. It's crazy. Um, speaking of a guy who was fired, Jim Montgomery, but you look at the Dallas Stars, even under Rick Bonus, currently getting it done 7-3-0 in their last 10 games. Like, yep. I... I don't know, man. I I am very excited to see how this whole thing plays out. You touched on Nashville. I also want to touch on Nashville just because they have three games from Winnipeg, three games in Chicago, and two in Minnesota. They're currently at 51 points. Minnesota at 52, Chicago at 54, Winnipeg at 54. If you get those six points, you are now just behind Vegas outside of a playoff spot. So right now is the time to win. Like there is no easing into this. Like your push needs to happen now. This is when the St. Louis Blues, who won the Stanley Cup last year, made their turnaround. And if Nashville, I mean, they're not going worst to first, but I mean, it's not good there, not not in the least. Yeah. So this push needs to happen going forward with that team. If this team is completely out of it in a month when that trade deadline hits what does david poiley do like that's the question because we both just talked about this team in our preseason prediction and we had them at the top of the central if if this team's here what is it what's not working and what needs to change because they have a lot of guys who are tied up payroll wise so i mean me- I don't want to say blow it up, but do they try sending out certain people? Like that Kyle Turris contract is not an easy one mm. to look at. I mean, do you make them available? Does someone want it? Do you have to eat a little bit to get rid of it? Like I'm just interested. Did somebody call for pecarina That's yet again, that's a very interesting question. You don't know what's going on here. I mean, the San Jose sharks, or do they call for some goaltending? Maybe they try to fix the issue now before they get into next season. I, I don't know what's going to go on here. It just seems like this has been the year of all sorts of craziness in the NHL, and I just don't think it's stopping yet. I think that crazy train is still going.
1: If you have, do, you want to guess? Do give the best guess on. A surprise coach that might lose his job. Uh, just looking around the league right now. Uh, let me right to now. to be honest, I've been on the Bruce Boudreaux uh, wagon since the summer. About he's going to be gone, guaranteed at the end of this year. But I thought he would lose it if they slow down. It just seems like Billy Guerin just is giving, showing him the respect of just letting him finish out the year. Especially since they're not. not cratering in a sense um i know they've lost four in a row they were doing well beginning of the year i I think in the last 25 games they're playing sub 500 hockey paul maurice
0: that that's an interesting one i think that they're still okay because i don't know what expectations are for certain people in whatever sense it is because I didn't have Winnipeg being in this current position. I thought that this year with the turnaround and the roster and the big buff thing that they weren't even going to be here. I I had them very low in this division, very low in the conference, and they are currently three points out of a playoff spot. So obviously Connor Hellebuck is playing out of his mind to keep them there.
1: But hmm. is he playing phenomenal? No, not
0: phenomenal. Out of his (laughs) mind.
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah that's definitely something to keep an eye on I just I don't know if there can be a more surprising firing than a Gallant.
0: I got one for you David Quinn David Uh, Quinn I, I think that this has been the rebuild that they wanted I mean you guys got it on the fly with getting Kako and having certain guys in that lineup but, I mean, did you think it was going to be this or did you think it was going to be a little
1: bit better? Um, I thought it would, be, it would be right around here. I My thing is, I don't know if he's the guy that's going to be the coach when the Rangers are legitimately ready to turn the corner. I think he's more of a Tom Redding mold where he's good at resetting the culture. He's a good teacher. He's good at setting uh, young guys up and then you're going to have to bring somebody else in who's going to get this team over the hump a little bit. So,
0: But, I mean, um, wouldn't a guy like Gerard Gallant be good for young guys and getting them over the hump?
1: That's the thing. Like, That changes the dynamic. I just don't think he'd be fired during the season right now. I think if anything happens, it would be how the remainder of the season goes. And if uh, Gallant or somebody like that shows interest in joining a team – I think, if anything, he has one, one more year as a guarantee unless something drastic happens, and then the Rangers might start considering if they're not progressing as fast as they would like to uh, during next season. But, I mean, if Galant calls up J.D. and he's like, hey, I want to come to New York, like, I don't hang up that phone. Mm-hmm. So, And that's nothing against Quinn, even though I have my complaints with him. It's just Galant's one of the best coaches in the league. And
0: sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, <laughs>
1: um, I know the other thing we wanted to hit on this week was the return of the Battle of Alberta. Uh, their Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames are playing each other twice this week on the 29th and February 1st. It's a rematch after the whole Zach and Matthew Kachuk situation. Uh, Lucius said that he's going to get Kachuk's back no matter what. Uh, the Oilers are. Um, I'm sorry, the Flames called out some extra like you put on Facebook beef uh, today for the games this week. Do you think, one, is going to happen in a game on the 29th? Because I'm assuming Cassian's going to want to kind of hold back his anger here because he cost his team the last time they played, and he knows they're playing each other two nights later, and he can just take care of it then. But really my question is, if you're Matthew Kachuk, how do you? How would you handle it versus how do you think he will actually handle it in these two games?
0: Well, one thing about the game tomorrow night on the 29th is this. Currently, Calgary's playing tonight, so tomorrow's the end of a 2-2. Two and two. So they're at home in Calgary, and then tomorrow they're playing in Edmonton. I don't know how that goes just off of travel, wear and tear, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, this is the one thing with the NHL where redemption and things come into play. So whatever happens tomorrow night, and I'll get into what I think should happen. I'm just going to say, so whatever happens, knowing that they're playing again on Saturday, you already know whatever happens tomorrow dictates Saturday, but you already know Colin Campbell's going to be there and fucking nip all that shit in the butt. So...
1: uh, Officiating's going to be there as well tomorrow night.
0: Yes, so tomorrow is going to be... Very tight, just in general. Like, you already know quick whistles, they're not going to want scrum, so on and so forth.
1: People are going to get misconducts very easily tomorrow night.
0: Oh, and they're going to tell them that, too. It's not going to be a surprise. They're going to pull both the guys aside before the game. They'll tell the benches, so, so it's known. Where I see this going is this. Zach Cassian has been sitting on this and stewing about it. I think he is dumb enough. And I say <laughs> dumb enough because he looked like an absolute psychopath in those interviews. I think yep. he's dumb enough to go and get a 10-game suspension. Uh, I can honestly see the Sean thornton brooks orpic thing happening again. I could see a Todd bertuzzi Stephen Moore. Like, I just, with Cassian, he has it in him where he's just that dumb, he just goes black, he he just doesn't know what he's seeing ahead of him, and he's going to go crazy. Like, I, I can already see it. Listen, should Matthew Kachuk come out and fight Zach Cassian? Yes. Is that going to happen? No. There There's no way they're going yeah. to... What, what would you call Kachuk? A, a top three, top six guy? He's definitely top six, if not top three in the yeah, lineup. Yeah,
1: definitely top six. He's a... Uh... I think he's a pretty prolific two way guy.
0: Okay, so you're gonna let one of your top six guys
1: No, I'm sending a Luch out there.
0: Exactly. And and that's the way I see this going. I see Luch going out there to defend him. Uh the Flames have called up Buddy Robinson six six two thirty one for his eighth career game, fucking absolute moose. And then uh the Oilers, which I find is funny, they've already proclaimed that they're playing Junju Kara. I've, oh, they have. Oh, the, yeah, and that was yesterday. Oh, okay. They had proclaimed that. So the fact that they're going to that extent to already put him in the lineup is crazy to me. Because now you already know the Flames are dressing Robinson. So now you have mm-hmm. out there hypothetically Lucic, Robinson, Junjun Kara, and Zach Cassian just to start, and then if. Travis Hammonick goes buck wild. I mean, th- Travis Hammond, can fight. Like he's not the biggest guy, but he can fight. Matthew can if he actually wants to could fight. So like, I could see this thing be an absolute barn burner and just insanity. Or like we said, with the officiating, it is just going to be that tight that none of this even happens.
1: Yeah. So because Edmonton is-
0: with tomorrow being in Edmonton too, uh, I'll let you go is like Edmonton wants redemption. Those guys are going to be
1: crazy. And the fans are going to want blood. Yes.
0: So this game is the one that dictates everything.
1: Yeah. So for me, and again, you know, my style of play, I'm, I'm a shit talker. I'm an instigator since it's in Edmonton, since everybody's been looking forward to this game, there's a lot of build up to it. If I'm Matthew Kachuk, I know everybody wants something. I know Cassian's gonna be gunning for me. I know the the Oilers, the whole team is gonna be taking a shot whenever they can, after the whistle, going up the ice and scrums, whatever. I use that to my advantage. I just keep everybody on edge and have them focusing on, oh, is this the moment it's gonna happen? Oh is this it? Or oh, what about now? And take the focus away from my team who's still kind of finding their way and struggling a little bit and trying to steal two points on the road in Edmonton. And then on the game on the first, right off the opening face off, I drop the gloves and get it over with. Boom, done with it. You get the two points in Edmonton, or you do your best to get the two points in Edmonton. You keep everybody on edge, and then right off the opening draw at home, you just drop the gloves, get it over with, and move on. Because in a normal situation, you don't want Kachuk fighting. You want somebody like Luch protecting him, in a way. But this is a situation where Kachuk, like I mentioned in the podcast two weeks ago, he's going to have to start earning his keep here if he's going to start playing... This way and crossing a line here and there, he's gonna have to drop him every once in a while. And of course, the flames don't want somebody like him to box for five minutes or toss for the game, but he's gonna to have to take care of business, especially this time, because it's such a heightened case around the league, that if he doesn't drop the gloves at all and square up, that's gonna start causing some problems, I think. So, oh,
0: but one question for you: So does that mean he has to fight Cassian or just fight somebody?
1: It depends. I think he can fight anybody as long as it's somebody from the Oilers who come on, who comes up to him. Like if he goes and challenges like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and he's not solving anything. But if anybody on the Oilers goes up to him and says, let's do this, he should drop the gloves that one time. He, they get one opportunity and that's it. If it's Cassian... Uh, if it's Darnell Nurse, any of these guys. They get one opportunity to challenge me, and that's oh, it. Oh, Darnell Nurse would be a good one. He can chuck him too. Yep. I, I, nurse versus Hamannick would be good. <laughs> that, that, it might be going that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I think will happen. I just hope Kachuk. I know he plays that game on the edge. So does his brother. I'm sure his dad's talked to him old school and being like, kid, you got to drop the gloves. Just. <laughs>
0: Speaking of brother, did you see the fight Brady had last night against Suban? Tuned him up pretty good.
1: Yeah, because Suban doesn't want to fight at all, even though know, he talks a massive amount of shit and is always playing dirty. Like, I can't stand that fucking guy. Like, on the ice, off the ice, he seems like a great dude, but on the ice, I uh, can't stand him. Especially oh, now he's playing on the Devils.
0: I mean, j- just a humorous factor, because we're already on the subject of it. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It just moved on me. Here it is. On the Edmonton Oilers homepage, there's a picture of Zach Cassian in front of the Calgary Net, and it says, bring the fire. Mm. I, they are getting everyone rowdy for this one, boy. <laughs>
1: um, we also wanted to hit on... So the Rangers and Bruins basically have a bye week this week, more or less. Um, should the Rangers, I think, it's nine days off. What they play again, which is Friday against the Red Wings, uh, which is basically a day off anyway. So that in mind, I kind of wanted to go through some of the playoff bubble teams uh, that are just in the playoffs or just outside of the playoffs a you and just get your immediate in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, um, and a reaction uh, to that. So I'm going to start in a Western Conference just to shake things up a little bit. I'm going to go to the Pacific Division. They jumble, so this is going to be the longest one. Canucks. I think they're in. Oilers. In. Flames. In. Coyotes. In. Golden Knights.
0: In. I I think...
1: So they get both wild cards, then?
0: I think they're getting both wild cards. Uh, I don't think Winnipeg, even with how good Connor Hullabuck has been playing, I don't think he is good enough to project them in front of Arizona and Vegas right now. Uh, Chicago, same points as Winnipeg. I don't see them being able to make that jump and contend. So that, I I think those five from the Pacific will be in.
1: Okay, so that leaves just the Blues, Avalanche, and Stars in the Central Division. Going to the Eastern Conference, starting in your division, the Atlantic, uh, Florida Panthers.
0: I think Florida has finally found their mojo. I think they're in
1: Toronto Maple Leafs. All
0: right. This is where I I get iffy. The current wild card one and two are Columbus and Carolina, Columbus with 62 points, Carolina with 61. And then it goes three and four underneath them with Philadelphia at 60 and Toronto at 59. Uh, right underneath them, just to put a line in that the Buffalo's at 51 Buffalo's not getting in. That's Buffalo's up. So it goes to those four. A question for you with the being of the Atlantic, obviously Tortorella has this Columbus team going and their last 10, they're eight and two. They're on a six game win streak.
1: Again, great goaltending,
0: great goaltending from no names. Do you think that continues? Just with a tort system, it might, right? Like It yeah, seems like it can. I, can
1: like, I don't think they're going to crumble defensively, um, and the goaltending has been good. I know Elvis has been playing well the last month, but they were getting good goaltending since November with Corpus Allo. So I don't think that's going to really fall off. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Elvis isn't going to have a shutout every time he starts because like he's been playing. It's just goaltending, uh, the goal scoring concerns me. Um they have, I think, the second or third worst offense in the entire Eastern Conference, um, which is the thing that's holding me up. The only thing is, they're basically competing with a handful of teams. I don't know if Carolina is going to make it with the Dougie Hamilton injury I was just and the gonna goaltending. Say
0: that that injury is going to hurt them big time.
1: Like they get most of their offense from the back end, kind of like Nashville and. That concerns me. And a big injury like that is enough in such a tight pack with the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, the Hurricanes, and the Flyers are still kind of there, even though they're so inconsistent, that that could end up tipping the balance a little bit. So basically, okay, so what it comes down to is you have Boston, Tampa, and Florida as the three in the bracket in the Atlantic, right? Yep, that's what I got. Do you have Washington, Pittsburgh, who's your third in the Metro?
0: I'm, I'm sticking with the Islanders. Uh, I okay. think they're there. I think Barry Trotz has that system locked down, and the goaltending they've been getting the past two years there is just insanity. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So the wild card comes down to two of Columbus, Carolina, Philly, and Toronto.
0: I think you brought up a big thing with the inconsistency of Philadelphia. and. Their lineup is there, and I think Kadahat is there. I just don't know with their night-to-night if they do it. So I'm going to say Columbus, and then Freddie Anderson puts Toronto on his back and gets them to that second wild card.
1: Now, that would... If the standings kind of held up, and those are the two wild card teams. Mm-hmm. That would put Columbus playing boston in the first round does that worry you at all
0: no i i think that's just boring hockey <laughs> uh,
1: I, uh, I mean call a spade a spade i,
0: I think lineup wise we, we match up kind of the same you get to that playoff format like we did last year and columbus was trying to play a very physical and tough game which is something they're not um Denny Savard there was, he grew a beard, he magically grew a pair of balls, and he was trying to check people. It just wasn't (laughs) working for him. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, What I would be worried about is just going into the buzzsaw that is that goaltending. Say if Corpasalo comes back and he was playing the way he was since November, the Bruins might have a serious issue, especially when it comes to secondary scoring here because in the playoffs you need everybody going. On paper, I think the Bruins should be fine, just like they were last year. But
1: and just like Tampa was good, fine on paper.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, you obviously run into these things. It, it's it's nervous. It, it's it's noivous. I'm noivous. I'm from Jersey. uh Yeah, <laughs> a- in the playoffs, anything can happen. John Tortorella's system is a kind of smother you, grind you out type of system. Great defensive structure. The Bruins would have to earn it. They they would need that power play firing on all cylinders, and they would need to make sure that their weakness that they currently play with when it comes to being able to kind of nut up in a sense and play tough hockey, they're going to have to be able to bring that every night. And yes, this is the same team that went to a Stanley Cup final last year but this is also the same team that in that Stanley Cup final got outmuscled by St. Louis, and they lost the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, definitely worrisome playing a
1: team like Columbus. Just to wrap this up, I'll give my quick thoughts before we move into our picks of the week. Uh, for the Metro Division, I'm going to go ahead. Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders finish in their bracket. Boston, Tampa, and Florida finish in the Atlantic bracket, and I got the two wildcard teams as Columbus, and I'm, stick- I'm still going to stick with Carolina. I have Toronto missing, um, which I think leads to a little bit of a shakeup, even though it's the curse of Cody sees. Like, I tried to warn him. Um, <laughs> in essential, I got St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas, obviously. Pacific, in this order, I have Vancouver, Calgary, and Arizona, with Edmonton and Vegas, as the two wild cards.
0: Interesting. So, Edmonton would be a one. Well, who would you have at the one wild card? Who at the two? Who who, uh, who would be on the crossover playing St. Louis? Vegas. Oh, that would be a massive first round series.
1: <laughs> and then I have Edmonton playing uh, Vancouver, which that could be an upset, but we'll say. Um, picks of the week. I don't know if you want to. Take this one off or you want me to go. I know I, I picked three, which I get on your ass all the time for going with two uh, games of the week, but this week just spoke to me, my man.
0: Well, I mean, speak to the people, Benny. <laughs> all
1: right, this is obvious one. We just had a whole kind of segment about it. I got both Edmonton and Calgary games this week as uh, games of the week.
0: Now I got to change mine.
1: If you don't watch the game tomorrow night and then a rematch on February 1st, you're not a hockey fan. And then my last one for a game of the week, I think this is going to be big standings-wise, obviously. February 3rd, next Monday, Toronto on the road against the Florida Panthers.
0: All right. I had the same first two as you. Weird. And then uh, I had mine as being Sunday Pittsburgh at Washington. I know that Washington's clear of them in the standings, so the two points isn't going to really sway them but I think that where these two teams are this is a great test for Pittsburgh uh, all the injuries that they had I think for them this is kind of now fine-tuning this time of the year hopefully getting to the playoffs all healthy I know they're not getting back Gensel but getting that team back together I know that Sid Ovi rivalry gets old hearing about it because it's not like they're out there fighting so we're not spending all the time like we did on Battle of Alberta but um two of the greats playing that's where we're watching Sunday primetime 12:30 NBC early before the Super Bowl so you can watch hockey and then go right into Super Bowl coverage and all as well
1: for my lock of the week I have to take an easy one here I'm going Tampa Bay over the Kings on, a, on tomorrow night the 29th <laughs> uh
0: mine is also the is it the 29th it is the 29th no, I lied. It's Thursday, the 30th. Uh, the game that I am picking is I do see this team making a push, and it starts here, Nashville at New Jersey. If Nashville wants any sense or just <laughs> sniff of the playoffs, it has to start Thursday night against New Jersey. You're like You have to beat these teams. John Hines, first time back there. I'm sure there'll be a lot of money on the board. I went with Coach Q last week from his return to Chicago. That did pretty good. So I am going with another coach heading to his former employee. So that's where I'm heading.
1: I have one thing for today in NHL history. Uh, 1992, Brett Hull, the St. Louis Blues, becomes the second player in NHL history to have back-to-back 50-goal seasons in 50 games or fewer when he scores against the Kings in a 3-3. Yes, kids, there used to be ties in the National Hockey League. The only other player to do so is Wayne Gretzky in 1983-84 and 1984-85. Who do you have for shout-outs?
0: My one shout-out this week goes to Bruce Cassidy because even in the All-Star game, you blew blew the lead. So uh, the Atlantic losing to the Pacific, it just seemed to be icing on the cake. So... Maybe Did write
1: an article about how the Atlantic division needs to nut up.
0: No, I I'm thinking <laughs> that, uh, you remember that coach we were talking about earlier who might be on the firing block. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's Cassidy right before the playoffs.
1: Oh, damn, Shit. Yeah. That would, uh, kind of be a seismic change. i just throwing that out there. That's my <laughs> shout out. Uh, my shout out. To, I have a couple this week. Um, first one, I've, posted this on our Facebook page, but congratulations the daddy-to-be Sean Avery, my shit-talking idol, my NYC bike path clearing idol. Uh, it's going to be a dad, so maybe that's going to calm him down even a little bit more. Uh, I'm hoping he gets a son just so we can have another Avery in the National Hockey League, but knowing how God works, it's time for some payback, and he's going to have a very rambunctious daughter. Um, my second shout-out, This happened this past weekend uh, on Sunday, but shout out to the First Lady. Sunday was our four-year anniversary, so uh, thank you for keeping me around and dealing with my horseshit. Four years? Wow, congratulations. Yeah, four years, you're looking at that like, nothing. (laughs) Oh, Jesus,
0: when did we even better start dating? Uh, We started dating in 06, so that and then this... Fourteen (laughs) years? Yeah, it's it's been a while. I think this year (laughs) is... Eight years of marriage this year, so... Yeah, long time, man. Yes, very long time. But, everybody, thank you for listening. We're hoping that tomorrow night into Saturday pops off with some wild and crazy shit with the uh, Battle of Alberta, so we will have plenty to talk about next week, and hopefully some other things start going on. Uh, It was a quiet week with the All-Star game, but... Heading back into it, a busy week on the docket. Uh Bruins finally back in action on Friday night. And hoping for a W at least in the W column. And we will get back to you. So everybody, thank you always for listening. And we will catch you guys next week. Thank you.
1: Kobe. Kobe.
0: You can tell everybody, yeah, you can tell everybody Go ahead and tell everybody I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man